0: the mind of Christ he went all the way to death for your salvation he went all the way to the cross and he did not fight the will of God he submitted to the will of God knowing and thinking about you and that's the kind of heart that's spilling over into this sermon, Paul he knew how great God's grace was to him. It became a privilege in life that would be the magnification of Christ, whether he's going to die tomorrow or whether he's going to live tomorrow, it's going to be for your benefit, not his.
1: Hi there. Welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Pastor Chris Gordon takes us back to Philippians. And once again, we're looking at chapter 1, verses 12 through 29, God's surprising ways of furthering the gospel. Let's catch up with Pastor Chris now, shall we? For today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, Paul begins
0: by explaining that two difficult things have happened to him. Two very difficult things. This has been something like four years since they have heard from Paul, um, the, the, the church in Philippi. And if you ask the question, as they were probably asking the question, what happened to him? Was he martyred? Is he still alive? Paul was their their kind of founding pastor. Did all of his ministry come to nothing? All this labor and everything that he did. And now this church is facing the threat of their own persecution. You can imagine the circumstance. Paul is laboring to take the gospel to the unbelieving world. And he desires to go to Jerusalem. And remember in our study of Acts, everything that happened to the man. Let me just help you to recall it from Acts 21. That ignited the long stretch of persecution for Paul that would land him In Nero's courts. Think about Nero, the most wicked tyrant to exist in the first first centuries um, to oppress the church and afflict the church was Nero himself. And Paul will go in chains to this man. Now when, this is Acts 21, when seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. And all the city was disturbed. And the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Now they were seeking to kill him. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound in two chains and asked who he was and what he had done. Oh, <laughs> well, this wouldn't be so far off. Can you believe what these Christians are saying today against homosexuality? Against this and against that when our goal is to see people, what? Forgiven of their sins and saved. They bound him. They grabbed him. And, and they, they shackled him. Now the perspective of the church has to be through something like this. Is, is God even really with his church in something like that? Here is a weak now apostle imprisoned, powerless in the face of this great evil in the empire. What in the world is happening? with Paul the whole situation was unjust he's falsely accused he's lynched by a mob he's bound in chains he's thrown in prison he's struck and flogged the whole trial is full of mockery and false witness there's a plot for his life people have even made a vow against him not to eat until he's dead do you believe that? that's a dumb vow to make by the way when God's in charge you know He's almost killed in a storm on the way to prison. Bound by a chain for two years and then under house arrest with soldiers guarding him. On all accounts, this is a failure when looking at it externally. Imagine happening to you. Physical suffering for your faith. (laughs) Being hated by your own. Beaten arrested, bound in chains, and the whole thing is completely in every way unjust as the culture cries out for justice. All of it from Paul's perspective. How utterly frustrating, you know? How utterly miserable. The man had no clothes. The man had no money. The man had no savings account. He had no insurance. He had nothing. No friends. Most had utterly abandoned him. The churches didn't even know where he was, and he's absolutely alone to go through this. And now the church is facing opposition and it's falling apart. Now that's the first problem Paul faced. What's the second? Which is an interesting one. Second one's this. In verse uh, 15, he raises something that might seem to be out of context for a minute, but follow it. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So so let's put that in plain terms. There are a bunch of pastors out there. There are a bunch of preachers out there that are jealous of me. What's hard is I don't believe these are false teachers. He'll mention dogs in chapter 3 and deceitful workers. He says, these guys have lied about me. They're doing um, the entire Christian ministry out of selfish ambition. It's all about them. And in the midst of it, they're seeking to afflict me and add to pain in my imprisonment. If I knew there's another pastor I believe was fake and insincere and out there preaching just for the sake of envy and strife and their ministry was just that and then they want to add to my afflictions, I'm trying to put myself in Paul's shoes for a minute, how I would handle that, start slandering me in the community, start saying false things, starts trashing the pastor. And some people are starting to believe the false reports. That's exactly what happened to Paul. I'd be ticked punk pastor, you know. I would not be happy about this. Put yourself in it. Now put yourself in it. Whatever situation in life you find yourself, everything's been unfair to you. You didn't get the job you wanted in life. You're stuck in a situation you can't get out of. And then that boss of yours who's been nothing but trouble to you. Then there's another so-called Christian who's provoking you all the time. and, And nothing's going well in life. Well, I've been in the ministry long enough to know and see how hard the world can crush people and how many painful things can happen to people who used to be very joyful people. Pleasant to be around, and all this has made them hard, bitter complainers. Bitter, a rot of madness, empty, never happy. That's the natural response. That's the natural response. Now imagine this in a church context. <laughs> if that's how members are handling hardships. Everything's caving in on us. The world hates us. Nothing but problems. Kind of hard to see why we're here. You've got people who just aren't as committed anymore. People who, who used to have some kind of commitment have just dwindled away. People who've never really bought into it. People who are separating and fighting. Imagine all that. He could have thrown up his arms. and says, Can you believe this American government? Oh, no, I meant Roman. Sorry. Do you believe this Roman government, how it's treating me? you believe how I've been unjustly beaten by this Nero, the child killer, the persecutor of Christians? I'm ready, God. Call down fire from heaven and burn them up. I have rights. I have dignity. Do they know who I am? I'm the Apostle Paul. And here comes the whole purpose of the passage. (laughs) And now we move to his perspective. How did he help them? He did nothing of the sort. Faced with his life on the line, knowing he might die for this, faced with impending death, he writes to the Philippian church, facing the same persecution on the inside, complaining and disputing. I want you to know stop what did he just pray in the previous section well he prayed something didn't he this is my prayer that your love would abound more and more with knowledge I want you to know this is what he's talking about here I want you to know something that's really important I want you to know brothers did you see it there verse 12 that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it's become known throughout the whole palace imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold now to speak the word of God without fear. Uh, he, he's talking about the praetorium here. Um, that was the, of course, um, the guard of the emperor. He's talking about the guards who took post in Rome. So we know where Paul is. He's, 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 he's at the end here. He's at the end. He's going to go before Nero. And um, they would rotate prisoners uh, and and, and guards on a four-hour shift to guard these these prisoners. So here's what what happened with Paul's mindset, and here's what happened, that all of the terrible things that he had suffered, Paul said, guess what? Do you know what actually happened? It was an opportunity that God used to further the gospel so that my chains became a way, Now, now listen to the fruits of this, of making the whole palace guard the very guards of the emperor himself. Guess what God did? He saved a whole bunch of them. in this unjust prisonment, you know, it's one thing if you go to prison for stealing and murdering. It's quite another thing if you go, go to prison for righteousness sake, you know. Unjust as it was, Paul said, guess what God did? He used the whole thing to spread the gospel to the whole imperial guard. In fact, is the end of Acts, the very last of Acts. Paul dwelt there two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Listen, listen to this. Who set this up? All who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. <laughs> so, so you're saying... He put him through the chains and the prisons and the beatings so that that would be the outcome Paul says yep and I'm willing to take it people were saved through this the whole palace guard as I was in prison and was watching how I was handling this and and we know how Paul handled it when he was in prison what did he do he started singing Psalms remember in Philippi and God saved the Philippian jailer after he'd been beaten. Paul says, the whole palace guard was watching me. You know what they saw in me? Jesus. They saw Jesus. And they saw him magnified in my body. God raised up a church over here, you guys. All these brothers now who are your brothers It's like a plague in here, all these prison these are tough guys, all these guys are coming to Jesus. You see the point? The fruit of that doesn't come by an angry, bitter complainer. Some of us complain if our fries are too cold at the drive thru. How do we look at everything? I mean, that's really the question. How do you look at COVID? How do you look at the moments you find yourself? You see what would happen if you have no perspective as to why you're here? You'd look a lot like the world in handling it the way it does. Instead of thinking, why does God orchestrate these things in his wisdom and sovereignty and then use them? How does he use them? Christ says, oh, by the way, if you think I'm just being a little too much for you here. I'll tell you something else. You know how I look at those punk preachers who are attacking me? Who are insincere and fake and who trash me and who hurt me and who afflict me? You know, do you know how I've gotten through that? Here's how I've come to look at it. I'm not standing around judging their motivations. Trying to figure that out. I'm, here's, here's what I'll be happy with if they're still preaching Jesus. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they do to me. I didn't write this. (laughs) I have a good friend in this church who says, I don't really care for Philippians because I'm a Calvinist and Calvinists are grumpy. (laughs) Agreed. That Calvinists are grumpy. But I know what he was saying. This isn't just idealistic. It's really the the way of sanctification in the Christian life. It's the most freeing way to live you'll ever live. (laughs) Tell me, when you're worked up over everything, if you're a happy person, if that does you any good in life, it's the only response that fits receiving grace. Think about that. And Paul's going after it. Because without a right perspective or pursuit, we'll never have gospel fellowship as we should. And we'll never appreciate what the church is intended to be. Imagine if we looked at the life we have in Christ this way. We love Romans 8. Everything's going to work out for good, right? And we say, we're just waiting for that good. We're just hoping we can finally get there. And Paul's saying, what are you talking about? (laughs) The good doesn't come when life gets always easy. The good that God is working out might be, now listen to me, because you know the story, boys and girls. The good that God is working out might be to have you stripped, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, gone down into Egypt. Everything bad happening to you so that you would save many people, as Joseph said. That's what Romans 8 is talking about. (laughs) Paul says "Some some of the most difficult things that happen in this life to the redeemed children of God, the good that God intends is precisely for what Paul says here, for the furtherance of the gospel. I want you to know, brothers, that all this stuff that's happened to me has actually been for the furtherance of the gospel. God gave me a saving, serving opportunity in it so that it's become known throughout the whole guard that my imprisonment is for Christ. And guess what the fruit of that is? It's spread. Now all these guys are bold. They're now speaking without fear. And so what does Paul say here in his pursuit? He says this, finally, to close with, "'For I know that this will turn out "'for my deliverance through your prayer "'and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ "'according to my earnest expectation.'" and hope that in nothing will I be ashamed. See, see, that's how the Christian is to think. You're not going to be ashamed. It's going to turn out for your deliverance. You belong to Christ. Think of your greatest burden. Think of your greatest enemy. This is a mindset change, isn't it? And Paul now makes that very personal. If it's true of me then it's true of you because you are partners with me in the gospel. That's his whole point in this section. You can be absolute sure that the difficulty and the struggle will turn out for your deliverance too. In full expectation and hope, you will not be ashamed. And Paul gives us this pursuit to think about in verse 20. Since it's true that I won't be disappointed, then with all boldness, As always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. If my imprisonment leads to my death, which it did, you know what the outcome will be? I'm going to go be with Jesus. Christ will be magnified then in my death, whatever death he chooses for me. But, This is what we'll come back to next time. If he wants to leave me here to continue to serve and be a blessing, then it's going to be a lot of fruit from my labor for you. And Christ then will be magnified in my life. He'll be enlarged. He'll be shown. I think this anticipates the mind of Jesus. What is the mind of Christ? He went all the way to death for your salvation. He went all the way to the cross and he did not fight the will of God. He submitted to the will of God knowing and thinking about you. And that's the kind of heart that's spilling over into this servant, Paul. He knew how great God's grace was to him. It became a privilege in life that would be the magnification of Christ, whether he's gonna die tomorrow or whether he's gonna live tomorrow. It's gonna be for your benefit, not his. They will see... Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay. For what reason? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. There's your purpose. There's your pursuit. And that gets back to gospel fellowship today. If you believe your life is so completely in his hand that apart from his will, you cannot move or be moved, doesn't that give you a perspective then in life and wherever he has us that to live is Christ and to die is gain? If it's your time to die, then you'll gain him in full. But if not, you got the opportunity To be part of a grand fellowship still on earth that is in God's project of saving people. And that gets back to Paul's prayer. I pray that your love would abound more and more for each other. Your purpose to serve your neighbor, to enjoy your brothers and sisters. And in the hardships to show that in life and in death we have the life of Jesus. Your neighbor needs that. But you can't do these things with a sour, bitter attitude over every circumstance of life. When the Lord shows us his grace, as he's gonna do in chapter two of his son's love for us, it inspires love. It's a result because he's forgiven you and he loves you. Don't be surprised though if he starts saving a prison guard and bringing them into the EURC. This is how he works. These are his surprising ways and difficulty. We have to understand that and appreciate why he left us here. What a purpose, what a pursuit. And that's what the Apostle's helping us with.
1: Well, this is Abounding Grace Radio with Pastor Chris Gordon. Our hope and prayers you've been encouraged by today's program. If you would like to take advantage of many of the resources we have available on our website, might I suggest paying us a visit, agradio.org. Videos hosted by Pastor Chris, articles written by Pastor Chris, past radio programs are housed there as well. Again, agradio.org. Plus, it's a great place to give tax-deductible donations to the radio ministry as it is through those donations that we're able to continue on this radio station. Again, agradio.org. Or give us a call, 888-504-8805. Questions? Address them to questions at agradio.org. And don't forget, when you visit agradio.org, you'll find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts as well. Well, tomorrow, we'll take a look at Philippians chapter one once again, and a better way to evaluate life. We'll take a look at how Paul evaluated life. And with a sneak peek at that, once again, here's Pastor Chris. What we begin to think is life is just about
0: forestalling and trying to prevent death for as long as we can so that we will enjoy this. That's our mindset. That's what America has trained us to believe. That's what the culture has trained us to live for. Now this is where we are today. The Bible comes along and says that's a really foolish way to invest the Christian life. That's a way of living in a lot of bondage. You're not looking at life at all the way you should be looking at life. See, if this is the investment of life, just to overcome your greatest fear, that is the most ineffective perspective for a Christian whose purpose is to, this is Paul's perspective,
1: show forth the life of Jesus in us. That's tomorrow here on Abounding Grace. Join us then with Pastor Chris Gordon. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries.
0: Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.